Hello, everybody. Bob Oxley here. It's time for tips, topics, issues, and positions. And today our topic is going to take a look at the Institute for Social Research. And uh, I understand uh, I've got a copy of it right here. They just had a publication just came out that reflects the uh, fall 2018 and spring 2019 uh, research effort under the Quality of Life Initiative. Uh, here's, a, here's what it looks like. It's available now. Uh, it's, a, it's a wonderful uh, uh, booklet, that uh, journal that just came out for the very first time. And uh, the fortunate thing is we have three members from the research team uh, right with us here in the studio. So uh, it's Camry, and should I use your married name now? <laughs> sure. And your married name is? Hardy. Hardy, that's right. And Emma Angel and Dustin Matai, all three of you, welcome to the tip show. And we really appreciate you being here. I, I was really impressed with what you've done, the effort that you've put forward on this, and uh, uh, happy to see that it's published. And so uh, I want to go through, and I, I think this, our audience really wants to understand uh, from a res just a pure academic research standpoint, uh, what were some of the steps and s some things that you enjoyed or didn't enjoy as far as the overall research for both of these research projects? So I'm going to turn it over to you. You kind of like say, hey, you know, I like this, but this was a problem. I, 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 want, I want our listeners to understand it's not easy doing research. They, everybody sees that word research and they think it's something simplistic. It's not. There's a lot to it, isn't there? Okay, so... I'm going to turn it right over to you. What would you like to talk about? What do you want to say? Good news, bad news uh, about your research effort? We could take a look at uh, both the fall and the spring, and then we'll go into more specifics on the fall research as well as the spring research that you've published here in this book. So, Camry, Emma, and Dustin, it's all yours. Go ahead. Talk to me. All right. Well, I, what I really enjoyed about this research is that, like, I had never done a project like this before. It was a lot of fun to figure out all the steps that you have to go through and all the problems that you have to get ironed out with each other, figuring out how to work together as a team and figuring out what you want to look at for the research. And I just thought it was a lot of fun learning how to do those things. That's great. That's great. <clears throat> I guess it's my turn. It's your run. <laughs> <laughs> so um, something that I really loved is just the dynamics of our team and just how well we work together. And granted, we're not perfect, but we just learned how to do things together and we, we, each found our own topic, and we came together with the information that we had, and we made it work so well, and it was just amazing, and I love that. And I've never had a group before where all the team members played their part, and they did what they needed to, and we really came together, which is what I just really loved. That's great. Dustin, you got any comments here? Yeah, I love the process of uh, actually finding out what research is about. Uh, from the fall to the spring, uh, we, me and Cameron got to be involved in both those processes. <laughs> And there was a stark difference between the atmosphere of the spring versus the fall, which was more of uh, experimental learning on our part as far as what research is about. And we had some stumbling blocks along the way, but we had some great victories that when we overcame and we were able to get a, a quality paper out. Oh, that's fantastic. Not only quality paper, this publication reads, it flows, it's just great. Um, that's interesting uh, because this is your volume one for the Institute for Social Research. This is the first publication. We're getting a lot of positive accolades at uh, Dixie State University across the board, across the discipline. So that's kind of neat. Uh, I understand that uh, it's now in the uh, library system, and so it's available there, and they're, they're digitizing it. So I guess that's in the process also. So you guys are famous. This is great <laughs> to have these authors here, and I can't believe it. Um, Interesting you brought a point up, and I'm a, I want to go back to that, Dustin. You said that the, the fall, this was the first time the Institute for Social Research actually had a formal research team together 
in the fall of just last year, 2018, and you said it was a stark difference between the fall and the spring. Can you give us a little bit more detail on that? Yeah, I mean, I think we as individuals were under, you know, this is an undergraduate program, and we're lucky and honored to have the responsibility to be in such a program. But at the same time, we had to grow to match that responsibility, to match that expectation. And when we walked into that fall room, we didn't know yeah. what was expected of us as researchers. Uh, by the end of spring 2019, we kind of understood what it was like to be a researcher. And we kind of just like, when we walked in the spring, early spring semester, we said, this is going to be different. This is how we're going to do it. And uh, I think that caught fire with, uh, with Emma, who was in the spring with us for her first time and is now pursuing further on. Yeah, I understand you're, you're a member of the uh, research team this fall. And, and Dustin, I understand you're the, the point person for that team. This, you know, you're, you, they've got, this is your third time around. So, right, this is me handing off the torch. This is kind of, you no, know, it's really, it's really kind of really nice because you're, you've gotten, as a rookie coming in as a researcher, and you've got people that are experienced at this, and then you learn from each other, then you're expected to take, take the lead subsequently. So it's just a, a building process. So that first time in the fall was a little tough because there's nothing to look back on. There's no examples. So that was great. That was great. Um, let me ask you a couple of other questions. When you started doing your, uh, when you, and Emma, you, you mentioned this. You said that you had your own categories or you had your own topics. Mm -hmm. So can you walk us through what was the process? And I mean, how did, how did each of you individually get uh, uh, to, to write about something of interest for your own little piece of the overall research? I mean, how, how, do, how was that determined? Uh, in the process. <clears throat> so when we first were setting up our position and we were trying to figure out what we even wanted to do at the beginning, we, for at least the spring, we decided that we wanted to look at two freshman students, for example. And so we needed to look at all the different aspects of their lives from the cost of food to tuition to, <clears throat> to housing and all those different categories. And so we each just found one that we wanted to do and then we just further looked into it. Like I did employment and off-campus housing, and wow. so that's what I really dug into. Okay, <laughs> so you, you had your category, so now you could really focus in on that aspect, and then you brought that information to the team, and you, you mm -hmm. got an overview. That's wonderful. Camry, what was your, what was, let's go back, because you're, you're one of the vets, right? Mm -hmm. In fact, <laughs> uh, I shouldn't let the cat out of the bag, but uh, Camry's graduated now. She's going to that little school down south called Arizona State, so yes, yes I'm. <laughs> We're all proud of you to do that. Okay. Uh, but you're, you're just your experience and your background, you are actually directly involved both in the fall and the spring for this first publication. Um, from your experience of what it was like in the fall compared to where you felt from uh, feeling more secure and moving forward as a researcher, did that learning experience really help you out? I think it helped a lot because in the fall when we started, we kind of didn't really know what we were supposed to do. We we're examining the cost of living for a single mother with two preschool-aged children. And so we didn't know what categories we needed to go into. So we worked on that quite a bit, and it finally fell together. And so when we got into the spring, we said, these are the categories. This is how much it costs. We need to examine it from all the different angles. And the steps we took in the fall really helped to guide us with the steps we needed to take in the spring. That's great. So when you got to the spring you kind of anticipated here's what we're going to do first we're going to do literary review and then yeah. figure out what we what our interest is and see how that fits if it does fit indeed and then which is kind of really great because you get to investigate what's what you think's kind of important to you 
you know, mm -hmm. instead of just saying you will do this type of thing. It's a different scenario. This is a, this is a great research uh, opportunity. What I'd like to do, I'd like to go back to 2018. So Camry and Dustin, uh, taking a look at it, uh, on the cover of this, uh, the, the book, it says the fall 2018, it just says single mother. And you've indicated there was a 25-year-old mo uh, mother with two small children, a three- and four-year-old. Yeah. Uh, can you, the, both of you kind of give us a scenario? Uh, I, I, I'm looking here at the, the various, uh, you know, we have an executive summary here, but you're looking at what, the different areas that you covered you specifically, and then can you give us a kind of a generalization as to the overall project? And really, what did you get out of this? What were the results? I don't want to take the, take the thunder because I already read this, but you know, I don't want to take away your thunder. So can, can you kind of give us an idea, specifically the area that you were assigned or you, you, you adopted to do the investigation, and then how did that all fit together? And then what were the results? What did we get out of this? Uh, well, my section that I took was finding out the cost of child care for the two preschool children because the mother would need child care while she's um, working full time to, in order to support the family. So I went around St. George and I found several of the top like preschool facilities and found out how much they would cost and then broke down costs into months and then added it up for how much it would cost for the year. And then another section that I worked on was just being grocery runner. Every two weeks we'd go to grocery stores throughout the area and find out, have a list of food items that we wanted to get and then that would be necessary for everyday life. With, and so every two weeks we go to these stores and gather prices for, I think we did this for like three or four months to get an overall cost. Yeah. Um, in your writing, uh, you indicated about the cost of childcare. Mm -hmm. And uh, do, you have a, do you have a comment on that? Based on your the evidence that you uh, got uh, as a result of this research that you did, do you have a, a personal feeling on this, or that I don't want to put my kids in daycare because it's so expensive? <laughs> well, yeah, that's what you identified. It looks like in this mm -hmm. research is just it's, I I don't think anyone un, until they're aware of it how expensive childcare is in our area, oh, yeah. and uh, compared to the overall uh, average income and how much that uh, costs. That was a good job. You did a great job on that, on that. Dustin, fill us in. What, what did you What did you work on? Um, my focus more on the technology side. Okay. We had uh, all the data that we collected from the grocery runs. We had three people, which that's a stark difference from the 2018 to 2019 and forward, is that we had three individuals who were uh, really proactive and active in this ISR group, and we had grocery runners. Uh, all three of us had two or three stores within the St. George oh, wow. area. And we would do that twice a, twice a month uh, for, I think, 90 days kind of capture. And then my, my job was to take all that data and make sense out of it and to average it out, create uh, graphs, and, and as you'll see in the book, is kind of give the, uh, the story of what the 90-day progress was. And what we found there is that uh, there was an increase from September – to uh, November by a total of 7%. Wow. And uh, the highest increase was in October, which was a 6% increase just from September to October. And it it was something that showed that it would be uh, to a case of about uh, $20 or $21 almost uh, extra a month for this single mother to afford groceries just for her and her kids. Wow. That is... People don't realize it, okay? And... Uh, 
based on some of the other information that you receive from your other fellow researchers, let me throw a question out to you. Are, did we find any gender discrimination as a result of your research, or do we not, did you not go that route? We didn't really search for whether or not she was uh, selected and, and kind of an inequality, but we did find that she would not be able to make it. We kind of affirmed that single mothers have a difficult time in society because of their situation, if they're undereducated, if, they're, if they had the two kids, they are at more at risk in society to not have a quality of life. I think that's, that's something that we can draw a conclusion from from this wow. research. Wow. Uh, now, overall, okay, you're, you're claiming that uh, it's difficult for a single mother, but specifically, is it because of the child care? Because she, in this case, your case for the fall, she had to work full time. Mm -hmm. And I correct me if I'm wrong. I thought you had her uh, as a full-time student at Dixie State University, also. Yes, we did. And two, a three and four-year-old at home to take care of. Uh, overall, uh, your overall uh, conclusions that you had. I know your write-up was very explicit, but overall, from your own personal standpoint, were you aware of all these pitfalls that an individual with two small children, a single mother, might have had to encounter? just to stay alive and survive and move forward? I, at the time when we were working on this, I was not out like living on my own. I didn't realize all the different costs that come from having to buy your own groceries and buying your health insurance and paying for childcare and transportation. There's so many different little costs that I personally wasn't entirely aware of that how expensive everything really did cost. Yeah, which was really a learning experience oh, yeah. for you and appreciative. An appreciation of where you're at and oh, moving yeah. forward. Yeah. Dustin, any comments? The biggest thing I got from this was an explanation for people when they say, why do we have safety net programs? Um, we had the mom, she's making more than minimum wage. She's making $9 an hour for 40 hours a week, and she's a student. She's trying her best in society to, to be more than she was yesterday, and she just falls short. She makes a gross income of 18000 almost $19,000 a year. And her bills, just for the quality of life that we and we selected, the categories that we selected, was $34,946. That was, that was her bill a year. And she just she didn't make half of it, or nearly half of it. And so that just showed how much government, how much assistance and charities and those things make up a difference in the life of a struggling parent. And uh, that's something that I take to me when, on talking points when people are like, hey, you know, we can't have these programs. I'm like, look, these programs are, are changing lives. Yeah, so not making a livable wage forced her to go to uh, state and federal welfare programs, which right. she would be eligible for, as well as hopefully that there's some uh, contributions coming from some charitable organizations just to survive almost 35000 a year just to get by. Yeah. And, that's, and, and if we had any problem, if you had any problem that came up that was not unforeseen, Right, and this isn't a comprehensive list. I mean, we chose groceries, we chose transportation, housing, child care. We didn't talk about, we didn't get the cost of her school, and we didn't get the cost of if they had anything extra like school fines and stuff like that for the kids or, or textbooks and supplies for kids when they are learning or she's learning. So there's lots of things that we didn't, because of the feasibility of our study, we didn't go as, as in-depth as we could. And she receives much more bills than we 
calculated, and she receives a lot more help than we calculated as well. Wow. That's uh, this is an amazing thing. It's an eye-opener. And uh, I'm sure that the people in the, the St. George area in Washington County took a look at this. They're taking a look at it now, I know, uh, through this publication that you are the authors of. And it's opened a lot of eyes. Like, this is reality. You guys did a great job on this one. Uh, and you should be proud of yourself because I'm getting a lot of uh, input from listeners that are aware of it. They wanted you on because they haven't got a copy yet. So uh, I'm, I'm really happy about this. And thank you for the debrief on the fall 2018. Any other comments that you'd like to make before we move on? It's also on Google eBooks. Oh, yes. <laughs> Did, why do I think that you looked that up? I don't know. <laughs> All right. All right. Um, anything, anything else you want to comment on, on the fall 2018 uh, research? Okay. I'd like to move on. Let's take a look at uh, spring of 2019, and this includes all three of you, all three authors on this one. And uh, on the cover, uh, this is under Volume 1, spring 2019. It says male, female, first-year college students. So who wants to give me the overview on this one, this section of this journal? <laughs> well, Emma, because you were resting there for a little bit. So it's your turn in the bucket, as they say. Um, so the spring, for, uh, yeah, anywho. So we basically wanted to look at um, two students who were going to come to Dixie. And it was a male and a female in an, or out of state. And then the male was from here in Utah. Um, he was a little bit older um, but they're both freshmen, okay. and so that's what we really wanted to focus on. And so we looked at tuition, housing. We gave them a schedule, so we got to figure out what their textbooks cost. And then we um, we found out, or we looked out what their parents' income was, and then we tried to figure out um, um, the grants and that you would get from FAFSA and things like that. And then we looked at um, food. We looked at what it would cost to be off campus. So we had to go around and find a lot of different off campus um, housing. And so we got all those listings and then we got all the on campus housing. Um, one thing that we put together was a survey. And so we actually got to administer that. And we had 103 different or 123 different cases. So we got some input that we can actually get some real data from. And those were centered towards freshman students, so we got a better understanding of what's actually happening out there. And so we got to look at how meal plans come into work and if the students actually liked it. And we got to look at if they knew about different sources to get their textbooks. We tried to see where they went shopping, how much money they spent going out for food, what did they do for entertainment, and things like that. So Wow. There's a lot to it. And uh, I, I just noticed that in the back of the, uh, the journal, okay, is a copy of the uh, survey, the instrument that you guys designed. There is. Wow. You should be proud of that. So that's, that's what you're referring to when you handed this out to uh, uh, the freshmen for to fill out. Mm -hmm. And so um, based on that then, let, let, uh, how did it work with categories on this one again? Okay, we, we, we know what we did in the fall, but here we are. Somebody comes in and says, what do you want to do, do research on? Mm -hmm. And they said, how about a couple of 18-year-old freshmen? Okay, one male, one female. Then what happens? What's the process? What did you guys do as a team? Well, 
like I said before, we all got our own categories. And when we put the survey together, we did some research before, so we found out kind of what's going on here in St. George so that we can ask the questions of the students. Um, like a gal that was with us, her name's Savannah, she looked at transportation, and when we were putting that survey out, it was right when all those electric scooters came onto campus. And so she was able to ask, like, do you use this? Is this something you'd want to try? She asked about the bike share program. She talked about the SunTran. And she's asking people, like, do you know about this? Is this something you'd consider using? So that was right on the survey, mm-hmm. right? Okay. So I'm curious. <laughs> I don't want to take the – this is Savannah Trump – or not Truman. Savannah, Truman, Truman you're talking about. Truman. Yeah. Excuse me. Sorry, <laughs> sorry, Mr. President. Okay. But uh, what did she find out? Do you do you remember? Um, she. Found I know this out. is a loaded question because that's her research, <laughs> and so. No, you're good. <laughs> um, for the most part, people were using like their own cars, or they were sharing vehicles, so they were getting around that way. Um, there were only two people that used the SunTran. There were five that used the bikes. Forty-six preferred to walk, and so the shared programs. Maybe they're not popular right now, but. Because of the survey, we think that maybe it might have gained popularity because I've seen th- a lot more running around lately. I think you're absolutely right. I think th- because as a result of your research and then making it public, mm-hmm. having it published, then people are taking out reading this going, oh, did you not know this? I didn't know it. And so all that's coming to, to light as a result of your research. Yeah. yeah. Fantastic. Um, okay, so you all got your categories and you're doing mm-hmm. research here and we're looking at two 18-year-olds. Uh, can you, uh, Camry and Dustin, can you give me a highlight of what you worked on on this particular project in the spring? Uh, my section that I was in charge of was designing a schedule for the two freshman students, and we wanted a schedule that would be beneficial so they weren't taking any classes that weren't necessary. And so after we got them assigned classes and then set into a schedule, we did textbooks to find out how much textbooks would cost from the bookstore compared to Amazon, compared to Chegg, or like thrift books, or if they also bought them from an alternative source such as ebooks okay. online. And then something else I did was find out like the cost of tuition for in state and out of state, oh, as well as fees yeah. and everything. Just that's right, because one of your one of your uh, students is from Albuquerque, New Mexico, mm-hmm. and, and the other one's in house here at Utah. Okay. Yep, so it was just getting a comparative overall grand price for basically just like the bare minimum, like the tuition and textbooks. Did you do a comparison with other universities in the area or other? I don't think we did comparison for okay. things like that. Okay, well, maybe the future we'll take a look at that mm-hmm. and see, because I know that we're emphasizing at Dixie State University here that we're cost-effective. We're probably one of the most cost-effective uh, universities. I know for a fact in the state of Utah, but they're they're looking at it from a southwestern regional uh, aspect as far as costs and, and do, trying to do a comparative study. So maybe something you guys will work on in the future, except mm-hmm. for if you're down in Arizona State, you may have a bias there. <laughs> Cameron. I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> Dustin, what did you work on on this one? My role on this one uh, became, again, more technology. Uh, it was also the survey. Um, I I had great input. My job was to do the IRB, which is the, in the Institution Review Board, which as an undergraduate going to it for the first time, that is a daunting task. And there's a lot to go, a lot of things that you had to do. And we had some great support from our faculty, and who is actually the host. But, you know. I know him. 
We don't know it too well. It's your, you guys shine today. It's your day. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, we had some good help with getting that uh, IRB process through. And so we could administer the survey. And then we had good help from the applied sociology program that opened up their classes so that their students would take the, that survey for good us. Point. Good point. You've got to have access. You do have to have cooperation. All the best research plans in the world, unless you have the cooperation from the people that are involved, doesn't fly. It'll never work. Exactly. I'm curious, okay? Putting this survey together, what a, what, what a great idea, number one. But did any of you have experience designing a survey prior to this experience? Did you actually do a survey before? Did you ever create one? You did. Yes, Where? Did. Right here in the sociology department. <laughs> okay. And what, what what did you work on before? In other words, that previous, the, point, the point I'm making is the previous experience that you had you brought with you to really design the survey that, were, that was published. Part of the applied sociology program is that we gain experience and a certification in research methods. And we had all taken the class uh, uh, research and analysis just in the fall before this spring semester. And we all had a uh, class project where we made our own uh, surveys and then pushed them out into the, the public and got some our feet wet. That's that. fantastic. So that's a great program. Okay, in other words, that really was helpful. Not in real life, here you are again. You're putting together a formal survey. And <clears throat> when you're putting the survey together, I'm going to go back. Emma always said you categorize everything. Mm -hmm. Is it? Did you have cert so many questions for each category that was – embedded into the survey? Is that the way you worked it? And who, who actually came up with the questions? Who designed it? Or was it the whole team making questions and rebinding? Or so anybody? Go ahead. The whole team was in on designing their own questions under their own um, section. Um, we came up with the idea for an assignment because we had weekly assignments to get stuff done. And one of them was, you know, bring 10 or 15 questions, just idea questions that you are thinking about putting in on a survey. And so then we all put them together. We put them on the screen in front of the class, and we all went through it, and we decided which questions we we're going to keep, which ones we we're going to, you know, try to reconfigure to make it actually work. And with the data analysis class, you go in depth, and you figure out what makes a good question, what turns people off, what does this do what exhausts people and you and so we're pulling all that information in and we're trying to make the most efficient surveys and we're trying to get the most information out of the least taxing questions so it really was a team effort mm -hmm. in other words you had your expertise in your own area your own categories you brought those this is the information i need i want for my area and then the team came in to help to actually revise modify bring up uh, serious questions about the question itself so it's, it's, it's uh, written in such a manner whereby it's going to list it exactly mm -hmm. and, and then the answers, the potential responses to that. Wow, this is what research team's all about, right? You guys, you brought all, those, all of your area of expertise into this team to make this thing happen, all of your learning experiences. So what a positive thing this is. Okay, um, we're going to take a break right now, uh, but we'll be right back, ladies and gentlemen. Don't go away. Uh, but there's some very important in information that's got to be given you in the next few minutes. But come on back. Don't go away. We've got more to talk about this wonderful uh, uh, Institute for Social Research Quality of Life Initiative. And we've got three outstanding authors sitting right across from me here. So we'll see you in just a moment. Bye-bye now.
Welcome back, everybody. Bob Oxley here for tips, topics, issues, and positions. And today we're talking about the publication that just came out from the Institute for Social Research on the Quality of Life Initiative, Volume 1. And we've been talking with the three authors, uh, Camry Hardy, uh, Emma Angel, and Dustin Matai. These are the authors of this, this publication, and uh, they've been doing a good job analyzing what took place in the fall of 2018. And we just started talking about the research that they accomplished that's published here in the spring of uh, 2019. And, and we looked at, they decided to do a research on two freshmen coming to Dixie State University, both 18 years of age, one from out of state, one from in-state, male, female. And uh, we got a pretty good idea as to uh, how they came about with their categories and moving forward. I guess we're at a point now where we'd like to really get into a little bit more as far as the results. Um, and then we'll take a step back and take a look at the total result of both research. So um, let, me, let me just ask then and put it out to all three of you here because each of you had your own area of expertise and, and category. But were there any surprises? Uh, we're talking spring 2019. Any surprises that came out of the research, not necessarily your own, but maybe someone else's research that uh, you did not anticipate when we're talking about two 18-year-olds going to uh, – to uh, Dixie State University? Um, well, I know for me, there was another gal, I'm gonna reference everyone else's work. Um, her name's Sandra, and she looked at um, meal plans and things like that. And something that really surprised me is that most people that we asked didn't like them. And they didn't see that there was a lot of healthy options, and so they weren't too impressed and they don't actually recommend it for any other students coming into Dixie. That came out of that survey? Mm -hmm. They're saying don't don't get the the, uh, the offerings on the part of Dixie State University, the meal plans? Mm -hmm. So how, what do they put in as an alternative? What, did you have a question like that? Like, what's your alternative? Or <laughs> if you don't like the meal plans, what, what do we do? You know, you can't, I guess, can't live on chips and beverages. <laughs> but anyway, uh, any what came out of this i guess um well for on campus students it's kind of required that they have a meal plan for their um, residents that are in on campus housing and so there's not a lot of options for them but they can go to places such as the market that open up kind of a little bit more of what they can have to eat and it's not super healthy or anything like that which they acknowledged but there are a couple different places around campus that they can go to, so there's a little bit different options. There was a lot of them that chose to go to fast food uh, establishments rather than eating on campus, or they just had their own plan. Yeah, they, well, we've got the new Chick-fil-A that just opened up here on Dixie mm -hmm. State, and uh, Pizza Hut is there, and then they did a revamping of the cafeteria, so yeah. uh, maybe maybe they, they read your her book already i don't know <laughs> because those plans were put in place this summer now they're all operational so maybe you had an influence you never know you never know um dustin did you have any surprises on this uh the uh, springs research um going through the executive summary which was more of my uh my uh, my requirement was going through all the studies and then writing uh kind of like an overview statement okay of what it was and you know the last thing that we just the kind of the conclusion was what really got me was that uh, there are affordable housing when compared to other schools in the state. This is a low-cost area for students. However, the ability to have the quality of life is 
very much determined on the knowledge of these resources of the students uh, and the effective use to minimize their personal cost. Um, if they don't come in with a knowledge, with an understanding, or have someone who can help them mentor them through the process, their cost is going to be a lot different and a lot higher for those students that don't have that. Okay, so what you're saying is we're talking about maturity and no, and no experience, and and uh, uh, parents say goodbye, and I start class in 48 hours, and you don't have a clue as far as how to spend money, when to spend money, uh, getting ripped off, and uh, maybe we should have a orientation. Part of the orientation being how to spend your money, how to budget your money, you know, and be careful with it. I, I, you're absolutely right. So that that came out of that uh, that research. That's the one thing that was a uh, that was great that you identified that. You know, because yeah. that's that's a real problem, and I'm, I'm here. We are in the fall of uh, 2019, and I'm already hearing some some of my freshmen already saying, "How much does that cost?" I hear these questions. <laughs> you know, like, they're not used to it. They're on their own. They have to make those decisions. So uh, I think you're absolutely. That was interesting, Tamri. What surprised you about the 2019 outcome? Anything that uh, you know, said? Well, you know, I didn't. I thought I knew about it, but mm -hmm. I didn't get it. So well, this came from my own section. I asked students in the survey how they paid for tuition, and the majority of both males and females said that um, their parents or a scholarship was how they paid for the cost of tuition. And then I also asked students if they were able to pay their tuition without worrying about the cost. Yes. And both males and females, about 60%, said that they worried about the cost when they paid for tuition, even though 60%. we're one of the cheaper universities here in state in utah yeah uh that's interesting because uh even though it's less costly we're still have that major concern mm -hmm. uh on the part i want you know the economy the way it is I, you wouldn't think there'd be that much of a problem everybody's supposedly employed but maybe they're underemployed maybe that's the problem maybe okay. i don't know that's interesting um overall uh your general you, you came up with these great conclusions uh and results um Overall, each one of you, can you kind of like address what did you gain from understanding what a freshman goes through? I mean, you did great research, but what's, what's really there? What do, you, what, do you, what do you think the freshman would get out of that or the parents reading this research might uh, get out of that for a future freshman entering Dixie State University specifically because that's the university you selected? So, yeah, I don't care which one of you wants to start. Just give me, your, give me an overall uh, impression as to what it's like to be an 18-year-old coming to Dixie State University. What should they look out for? What did you identify? What, you know, what's the good news, the bad news type of thing? Um, well, when I came to Dixie, which was not that long ago, I feel like I'm still pretty new here. Um, I mean, I tried my best to find out what the best housing was going to be. I looked at meal plans. I looked at all this stuff, and looking back, I was only looking at a fraction of what there really is out there. And even looking at the survey when we were talking to students, and they also are completely in the dark, it seems like. And now that I've been here and I look at tuition and classes and fees and things like that, and textbooks especially, because they get so expensive, I had no idea that there were other sources to get textbooks from. It's just I went to the bookstore, and that's where I got my textbooks, and now there's Chegg, there's ThriftBooks, there's Amazon. and You look at all these different places, and I would hope that when they came to the survey, they would look, and they'd go through, and they'd go, oh, there's four more options to get my <laughs> textbooks from. 
So that's that's, what I would hope. that's that's interesting. Yeah, because in other words, what you're saying is they think they know, but they really don't know. It's mm -hmm. just they know maybe 10 or 15% of what's out there to help them and to be more cost-effective and yeah. moving forward. That's, that's a good point. Dustin, Camry, anything? I'm going to just go on and we can settle down. We'll be, we'll be a little more settled with Camry. Uh, I think as a freshman, you're kind of put into, uh, into a box and you're carted around the school. As I, I've watched some around... Uh, you know, the beginning of the, of the year and you get the orientations and you watch them go from one institution to the building to the next, to the financial part, to the bookstore. And they're introduced to how this campus works. But they're not used, they're not introduced to how do you make it through college efficiently hmm. and in the best way that's for you. And I think that's what we found in our, our study is that people are coming to college and they're doing what they've been told, which is I go to the bookstore, I, I go to these I get my meal plan, and these aren't necessarily the best fit for my type of lifestyle is what we find out towards the end of their college career uh, wow. is what we recognize, you know, because a lot of us do hardly ever use the bookstore anymore. Yeah. I'm saying that live on the radio, but it's, there's, a lot of there's a lot of competition for that bookstore, and it's, it's relatively easy to get, two-day shipping, and it's at your door, and it's cheaper. And the, the students who knew that, uh, they had, they were taking advantage of it. Yeah. And, uh, but what you're saying based on uh, your research is that just a small percentage of the freshmen are, have that much sophistication to understand that you can get books a lot cheaper offline or whatever it may be. Right. They rely on their social networks, their friends, their family yeah. to gain that information because they don't come, they're not being taught it. Yeah. It, it, I'll, I'll bring up a point. Uh, we have the largest, uh, freshman class again this year at Dixie mm -hmm. State, but a large majority of those students that they represent their family for their very first time to college, okay? And that may add to what you're saying, Dustin, naivete coming in and following the orders and saying, this is the bookstore, this is where you eat, this is the meal plan, and you just kind of follow and lockstep with that. And uh, it takes you about a semester or two uh, to get uh, familiar with some of the other options from, like you say, the social network and the other fellow students that you're with. So interesting points. Camry, anything you want to add to that? M my what? comments mostly relate to them, that you just kind of come to school and you go do what's available on campus. You don't necessarily think about outside resources, such as when you get your textbooks. Another thing that I think of is like planning ahead your schedule, like looking at the whole entire thing rather than just focusing on what generals you need to take because there's classes that count for double credits such as like sociology classes or <laughs> there, there's some communications classes that count double for different credits and then you only have to take one class and you only have to pay for that one class instead of having to take multiple in different sections and that just through experience mm -hmm. um and uh, talking with your fellow students oh, as yeah. to what's available uh, it's not necessarily a big poster somewhere that you can read and there I go. It's actually word of mouth and saying you got to take this instructor, get into this program, you know, that type of thing. So that's all part of the experience, I guess, being a student at the university. Okay, you guys have done a great job. You put together this wonderful publication. Congratulations once again. Did you ever have an opportunity to tell people out there in the, in the campus or in the community that, Hey, look at the work I've done. Did you have any opportunities to let people know, hey, I worked on this, 
Okay, this is before the publication even came out. I mean, you've done all this research, all this work. Was there an opportunity? Did you get an opportunity to express yourself and show all that work that you've done? And the answer is yes. And you're yes. nodding your head. Yeah. It, that, that doesn't go well on the radio. <laughs> <laughs> They're nodding their head yes. <laughs> there, were, there were a couple of opportunities uh, that I got to be involved with. Uh, we signed up for you, Kurt. Camry, you were there too. The, a snowstorm kind of stopped that. Uh, experience from happening uh, so you know we found that you know southerners don't do well in the snow so we just decided not to go but uh, Dixie Symposium uh, we, we all had an opportunity I did something off the 2018 which is my groceries and uh, the cost of groceries and presented that at the Dixie State Symposium uh, for innovation and these guys did their own stuff yes we did I presented the information from the 2019 with the cost of schooling and tuition and textbooks and stuff like that. Okay, Emma? And I presented on student and freshman employment and off-campus housing. It was okay. pretty fun. It wasn't a formal presentation. It was, what was the scenario? How did that all come about? Did you have, I mean, who, who, who attended? The, the entire campus was invited, plus outsiders coming in mm -hmm, to see? Mm -hmm. And what was it like? What was, it, what was that experience like? What's, what, what did you have going on there? I mean, people come up, they, they how do they know that you did this research? Well, we each had our own big poster. and Beautiful. We put all the information we wanted on there, and it was pretty great. And we just we stood there as a team, which was kind of fun because no one else, they all had their own individual projects, but we all got to stand there as a team and be like, oh, you want to know about this? We'll go over to so-and-so, and they'll be able to tell you oh. even more about it. And so we got to kind of, trap people in our own corner and they just went in a nice big circle and they got to learn all about this information. That's fantastic. So you each got recognition for your own area of this total research that was published a couple months later. Mm -hmm. that, that's fantastic. You have that opportunity to do that. Dustin, I'm going to go back to the, the fall. You know, you actually, for the spring February that you were talking about that uh, research group, um, it's called Euchre. Yeah. And I'm, I'm aware that it was supposed to be at uh, Weber State. And uh, the snowstorm, uh, the Dixie State bus decided not to not to head up there because the roads were closed and they had a major major snow problem up there. That was unfortunate. But the point being that you're not just doing the research. Now you now you have an opportunity to actually show your expertise in this area, and now you've got this publication out. Wow, what an opportunity! Yeah, um, definitely. Let me ask you a question as as far as the way we started here about this overall experience because you've brought up a lot okay you all are all experts in certain areas is there anything that you think that should be added to the institute for social research and more specifically this research effort that could be more beneficial to students that are following in your footsteps i know it's a loaded question it's uh, the reason is that I mean it sounds to me like we have a pretty good foundation, but there's always room for improvement. Mm -hmm. um, it sounded to me like you had you were prepared by other classes coming in, so you use that that learning curve coming in to help out the entire team. What else can be done to really make this even more dynamic than what it is? What would you What would you like to see for yourselves as researchers, student researchers here? I think one thing we're going to put into play yeah, on this fall one is uh, recommendations. Okay. I think what we did uh, was great. We, we observed and we reported observations. 
but we didn't apply sociology uh, recommendations at the end to say, hey, this is this may be a way you might look at this, or maybe this is something you could change, or this is something that we, we see as a, an issue and this is how we would fix it. Um, applied sociology is a is a kind of a budding program in the country, and it's something that's needed to uh, to show that we, through understanding social processes and organizations and, and how people interact with those, that we can create efficiencies and we can show people, uh, can make sure they have a better quality of life. That's, that's beautiful. That's beautifully put. Um, when, you're, when you're thinking about this, you're moving forward, I think the, the, the feedback that I've heard from colleagues as well as some people outside the university that have had, a, had an opportunity to read your book uh, said, what a, what a beginning. And these are undergraduates at the time. Sorry, Cameron, you're, you're now a graduate. Yeah. Uh, let's give the credit there. <laughs> um, but the, uh, uh, what you did, I don't think you realize with the precedence that you've set for uh, subsequent uh, students. Now i got a question for you. This is loaded. Uh, Emma and Dustin, you're on the fall team, research team. Mm-hmm. You mind me asking, what are you guys going to work on? Can, do I get to announce yeah, it? Yeah, you do it. Go ahead. We are looking at student burnout. Wow. Student burnout. Mm-hmm. So, my <laughs> wow, that's a that's a big that's a big with a lot of stress on this campus. I know that. So, talk to me about that. Can you talk? Just take a couple minutes and just what mm-hmm. you. I know you've just started, so yeah, it's still in the baby stages, but we're starting to narrow down on what we want to look at. I know for myself, I'll be starting to look at. Um, like how does exercise and diet influence how a student influence or is influenced by burnout? Like what do people do to relieve stress? How can they prevent it? Um, we're looking at, you know, how does it tie into the workforce when students get out into the workplace? How does, you know, them overloading themselves? Like what kind of habits does that cause? And I mean, we're all just starting our own stuff. But, um, so you're in that process. You already explained, all of you explained that you went through, you identify the overall, then you find out little little categories that of interest, and you go start the literary review on that. Now you're bringing that, you're at that stage right now for this research team. You're mm-hmm. bringing that back in. Now you're going to figure out how it all fits together. This is amazing. Dustin, go ahead. So my, my job is to watch them struggle. <laughs> and uh, I just get to be kind of like this, kind of like a, consultant while I'm there I get to kind of show them what I've found research wise and kind of help direct the research and some of the things we're looking at uh, we're looking at a full package mental physical wow all of the uh, how burnout affects us completely uh, recently the World Health Organization created an uh, actual syndrome that's under the ICD-10 ICD-11 which is what which basically states that this is a disease-like syndrome wow in that's affecting human beings at this time globally, mm-hmm. not just in our little neck of the woods. And so what we're going to look at is, are we in America, uh, Americans are constantly talked about our work ethic, how, how far we go for, uh, for our employers, how much we do in not only work, but play and school and education. We, we tend to push ourselves for that excellence. And so we're focusing on the institutions and their culturalization, their institutionalization of is burnout something that we culturally are creating and ex- and teaching to accept? Wow. And that's kind of the overarching question. 
And so we're looking at, you know, are we teaching it through food? Are we teaching it? I mean, fast food, of course, you know, I can't, I can't waste time, you know, cooking my own burger. I have to be able to get it from, from then in a matter of minutes, you know? So there's a lot of things that are, that we have in our lives to create efficiency so that we can spend it somewhere else so that it takes the onus off of us so that we can concentrate on something else. And that's, that's basically operationally burned out is what, is what that's going to be described. And you said that the world health organization has already made this statement about burnout. Correct. Yeah. That's amazing. I'm excited. So this one's coming out. This will be for volume two, right? You're Mm -hmm. already putting, so it's already underway. It's already underway. Uh, any final comments that you'd like to make about your experience as far as being researchers? Uh, Camry, you're down there at that other school, uh, something about Arizona State or something like that. Are you working on some research down there already? Actually, we are. I'm oh. on a research team. Can you well, you want to you want to talk a little bit about that? If you, we got a minute or two. So far, we just started working on. Well, my group is called College Success. There's five students, and we just started doing like vision statements and mission statements and. Basically, it's just getting women involved in STEM programs. Wow, fantastic! And, and you're the, you're you're the expert, right? You've got all this all this experience. <laughs> I don't know about that. Yeah, you've got all this experience. <laughs> I've been on research teams. I'm I'm a published author. Why? <laughs> Why you question me? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this is great. Uh, I want to thank all three of you for coming in today and talking about your book. Uh, it's Quality of Life Initiative uh, from the Institute for Social Research under the Applied Sociology Program here at Dixie State University. Uh, I'm impressed. Uh, you really uh, opened up uh, to us as, as far as how this all works and, and what you did as a research team together. And it really is a team, isn't it? It's a team effort. And that's why you're so successful. And, and your writing is wonderful. And all the information is being used, is being reviewed. So you should be proud of yourselves. Okay. So, uh, Camry Hardy, Emma Angel, Dustin Matai, thank you so much for being here on Tips. Ladies and gentlemen, that concludes Tips for this week. Uh, we, uh, can, you can watch and listen to us here at 3 o'clock on Fridays and rebroadcast at 5 o'clock on KDXI 100.3 FM. And also, you can look at the smiling faces of our three authors on Facebook, Twitter, uh, podcast, uh, you name it, it's out there. 24 hours, seven days a week. Just go to Radio St. George and our app's there for you. And as all the venues, you can just choose and pick YouTube or whatever you want to look at anytime you want. This has been a wonderful show. I want to thank all three of you again for being with us today on Tips. And that'll, that'll be it for today. And we'll see you in our hear from you, or you'll hear from us, I guess, in about uh, one week. Okay, goodbye, everybody. <laughs>